You're listening to episode 179 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about medicine for these times. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey there, my friends. I am feeling such a tornado of emotions right now. You know, grief, fear, anger, despondency. And I know many of you are as well. I wanted to share about how I've been managing this internal shit show, and maybe it can help you. Maybe it can be of benefit. And I know many of us have heavy hearts right now. There's so much going on. And I'd like to explore how we can navigate these times so that we don't harden and close off or explode or shrink away or collapse. You know, I was already in a state of heaviness and some existential crises, maybe even existential depression that had been going on for months, maybe longer. And then I woke to reading the New York Times after Hamas's horrifying attack on Israel on October 7th, and my heart sank down, down, down. And I didn't at the time know exactly what was to follow, but I knew it was going to be more suffering. I knew Israel would respond, you know, um, and it was an inexcusable terrorist attack and war crimes upon Israel. And I knew that it would also be horrifying for the millions of Palestinians that are already in such unimaginable conditions, and that what was to come in the retaliation would also likely involve war crimes. And, you know, that this was going to go on for a long time, possibly spreading beyond those borders, and that while Hamas and the leaders of the Israeli government were engaging in this, thousands of innocent civilians on both sides would suffer. And while I felt grief and fear, I could also sense a part of me numbing out. I think I felt I couldn't take it anymore, right? Like no more pain. And my existential depression was accumulating over time, even before this, right? It was a combination of like just more than usual interactions with aggressive and like straight up like mean people, <laughs> like people dangerously cutting me off on the freeway or aggressively passing me on double yellow lines in bad weather, even if I was going over the speed limit, you know, people at airports. I mean, y'all, this seriously happened to me just last week. I sat down at the gate to eat my salad, you know, and I don't know what it is that makes salad so triggering for some people because this isn't the first time someone like commented, made a political comment when they saw me eating a salad. But anyway, so this person rightly assumed that apparently because I was eating a salad that I was a liberal hippie. <laughs> because I was eating vegetables. And this guy, he's wearing an NRA. He started making fun of me for it. You know, he's like, how's your $42 salad? 
Are you going to be mad at me if I use a straw? Watch out. I'm about to use a straw. Uh Uh-oh, is your salad in a styrofoam container? And it wasn't, but apparently he said he was trying to be sarcastic. And I was like, wow, this is happening. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, yeah, your airport food is expensive. And he's like, ah, well, at least you have a sense of humor about it. I don't know what this world's coming to where I can't even use a straw without someone getting all worked up about it. And I'm thinking, wow, so that's what he's upset about right now. And before that even, right? So so like that whole airport episode was just last week. And, you know, before that, just all all these um, interactions with just aggressive energy when I was feeling really tender, right? Also working with clients that have experienced trauma, I hear some of the saddest examples of humanity and often leave with a tender heart wondering, gosh, how can a human treat another human in that way? And ultimately, I know why, right? I mean, hurt people hurt people. And it's still so painful to witness and experience. Add to that our own family stressors, like aging in-laws. My parents have already passed, but my in-laws are aging. And, you know, the ever-increasing climate-related catastrophes that I see really closely in Alaska, where things change so rapidly. And I was brought to my knees. But since I can't fall to my knees and stay there, I dissociated often, right? If you haven't listened to my podcast episode about the superpowers of trauma and how dissociation helps us survive, check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. You know, but but that feels shitty because I want to be present to what is, but it felt unbearable. I even stopped meditating for a while because it was like, I don't want to be so present. And of course, that was um, coming from an imbalanced view, but I'll I'll go into that in a little bit. Now, the week after Hamas's attack and the Israeli government's retaliation, I'd been scheduled to go to Oregon. They passed legislation for a non-medicalized model for providing facilitated psilocybin access. And since I'm licensed in Oregon, I used to live there, I went to take the necessary steps to help improve access there. And as an aside, I don't think it's a great model, but I get what they're trying to do and I hope others improve upon it. And maybe I'll talk about it on a different episode. But I also got to have a journey. You know, I went there just expecting to check off some boxes for things I had to get done, but I was surprised when I realized, oh, perfect. I get to do this. And I haven't journeyed for a while because now I only use the medicine in a healing context, not recreationally. So This was a long-awaited opportunity for someone else to hold space for me in a way that I was desperately needing. So I arrived feeling so empty, and I set the simple intention for a heart softening. Because despite how weak and tired and apathetic I felt, I could tell that underneath this um, squishiness, my heart was hardening and that I was losing faith in people. I wasn't just not partaking in hopium, 
right? I was swinging to the opposite side of that, which was pessimism, not realism, pessimism and anger and cynicism and fear. And now anger in me, and maybe in you, is often stunted grief. But I I was like, feeling it, right? Hatred for mean people, grief for the earth and all its beings, human and non-human, and their suffering due to climate crises, war and hatred, creating more suffering and fear, worrying about the life Maya would have after I left my body, stress from my medical debt I incurred this year just from needing to monitor you know, my, my cancers to make sure that they had not returned, having to pay back school loans for the training I received for my 20 plus years in healthcare, right? Seeing politicians play their fucking power games at the expense of the people and seeing how people were being trained, taught to be fearful so that we would be divided and easily manipulated. I mean, shit was getting dark in my mind and in my heart, right? So I asked for this heart softening. And I prayed. And if that word's activating for you, maybe hear it as I set an intention in a way that I surrendered, knowing I had no idea if it was going to happen or not, but that I deeply wished for it. I needed it. And into the medicine, I surrendered. And there's so much I could talk about right now, but I'm so grateful that my intention came to me. And I want to stay focused on what helped me soften my heart during these times, which made me not more vulnerable, but actually more resilient. I think we often assume softening makes us more vulnerable, but it's the opposite when we combine that with discernment. And what I experienced was, well, several things, but also a realization that my heart hardening involved layers and layers of protection, protection from the world on fire, literally and figuratively, from aggressive strangers, from physical danger, from climate catastrophes, from geopolitical wars, from debt. I realized this attempt at protection was exhausting to carry. You know, when we try to protect ourselves from all of this, it's exhausting because we are resisting what's happening which makes sense. We resist because it feels scary as fuck, but this so-called protection is an illusion. It doesn't actually protect us. And I had layer upon layer of it. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this armoring up we do with our hearts. So what makes it safe to shed these layers? Because we can't just wait for bad things to stop happening. That isn't going to happen, right? The Four Noble Truths. Suffering is part of the human experience. But, you know, one thing that we can do to begin shedding these unhelpful layers of protection is to be fully present with our grief and that of others, with the suffering of others. We need to fall to our knees. This kind of shit should take us down. The day it doesn't is going to be scary as fuck, right? The day I find out about human atrocities and worry about someone's freaking salad, that's going to be a sad freaking day in my life. Another thing that I believe today, you know, I may change my mind in the future, but what I believe today is that we can also see the energy required and the burden of that protection and want to be free of that 
then we can see how it doesn't actually truly protect us from what we think it does. Instead, it keeps us from living fully and feeling fully because it's so damn heavy. But what does protect us? I think back to one of my main Buddhist teachers, Geshe Sultram Geltsin, and I asked him, Geshe La, if I were to do just one practice, which would it be? What would you recommend? And he replied, Tonglen. This is a compassion practice, one where we feel so much compassion for the suffering of others that we take it on ourselves. And then we send out loving kindness emanating as light. And this was so wise because we can use a lens of compassion for so many things, for healing, for heart opening, and as protection. When we see things through a lens of compassion, it doesn't mean we just let people violate human rights because, oh, we feel compassion and understand how they feel so much pain and why they act that way. Rather, when we see things through a lens of compassion, we can take the harshness of the world and the harsh experiences in it less personally. You know, when someone slights us, instead of hardening our hearts and or becoming fearful, we can feel compassion for why they must feel the need to be aggressive or be hurtful, right? When the world is falling apart, we can see it's not just our world, but the common humanity of it and the causes and conditions that contributed to it, the childhood, the socioeconomic conditions and oppressive systems within which so many humans are raised that they harden and act from fear, even when they're powerful leaders, or perhaps especially so in that context. So compassion, you know, not to excuse or to condone or to allow harmful behaviors, but to be able to witness without hardening or dissociating or diving into a depression or hopelessness ourselves. And finally, to also choose to remember to look at the wholeness of life's experiences, to see that even in the shadows and darkness and fear, there is also somewhere friends hugging, a child sharing their lunch on the playground or asking a kid that they see standing alone if they want to play. There is also somewhere someone helping an elderly person cross the street, a parent holding their child, people volunteering in their community and refugee camps, neighbors playing cards, having potlucks, people bringing food to someone who's sick, a mama moose standing under a tree with her calf, a bear snuggling with their cubs in a cave. Somewhere there's whales migrating to Mexico and wildflowers and orgasms and foot rubs and the exquisite miracle of being alive. (sighs) Right? And this too, my friends, right? Yes, we must see the hard things and not unsee them. We must feel the grief and the anger and the fear. And for the sake of our hearts, We need to remember, and this too, 
this other side as well. It can be easy to be overcome by the darkness. This is real. So I'm not saying to look away. I'm saying to also remind your heart of the light that's always there so that you can continue to be an island of sanity, as Margaret Wheatley says, an island of sanity in the madness. You know, Gandhi saw some shit. And even with all the atrocities he saw, he said, this is his quote, when I despair, I remember that all through history, the way of truth and love has always won. There have been tyrants and murderers, and for a time, they seem invincible. But in the end, they always fall. Think of it. Always. Hmm. When that would happen, we don't know. But there's truth in those words. Part of me is afraid to have the hope that are contained in those words. You might have heard the phrase I used earlier, hopium. That's sort of bypassing through just focusing on hope. But it feels impossible in times like these to believe that love and truth win in the end. But Gandhi knew a thing or two. So I remain open to this possibility, right? I feel there is, as always, a middle way. Because only seeing darkness and choosing to not look for or bear witness to the kindness and love and beauty and miracles and humanity that's also there, that's not seeing reality either. So this is not to ignore suffering, but to tend to our hearts so that we can continue to bear the suffering and to be an island of sanity for ourselves and our people as well. So my sweet, tender friends, today I leave you with, and this too. Look around, see all of it, and tend to your heart, not through hardening, but through compassion for ourselves and others, combined with the wisdom to take skillful action that we may be a place of refuge for our hearts and those of others. So be it. Take gentle care. Okay, my friends, I think it's time for some community. I know that I can go through times where I feel extremely lonely and I want to have genuine, deep connection with other like-minded humans and not just while sitting in a hotel room or on a Zoom call or in a yoga studio. So come join me in the Adventure Mastermind. It's a small group of inclusive, self-identified women who get way beyond the bullshit and embark on a six-month adventure together, inward and outward. We have real conversations, live life to the fullest together, having adventurous experiences to add to our legacy in life while healing our individual and shared wounds so we can step more fully and healthfully into our roles as the compassionate, inspiring mentors that our communities need. And the early bird bonuses are off the hook. So head over to adventuremastermind.com and apply. If you like what you heard, spread the love and share it. 
And if you want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, check out rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist training kit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more. That's rebelbuddhist.com.